Welcome to the Focus Professional Podcast. This is Episode 4, and I'm Joe Lenton. Welcome to the Focus Professional Podcast. Today we've got a special guest on with us. Uh, this is master photographer Scott Johnson. He is a master photographer with the SWPP, uh, Society of Wedding and Portrait Photographers. He's an international judge. He's a chair. He's a multi-award winner. And I could go on and on and on, but he probably will in a little while, so I'll leave that up to him. His website can be found on theedgephotography.co.uk. Do go and check out his work. And I'm very pleased to welcome Scott Johnson. Hey, Scott. Good morning, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Just still recovering from the convention we were both at, sitting downstairs in that uh, judging room for two days. And uh, yeah, still tired, mate. Still tired, but loving, living life, loving life. There's a lot of concentrating trying to uh, get through all those prints, isn't there? Yeah, there was, and I was chairing for the first year this year, as you know, so I've not just got to do that, but you've got to keep an eye on pacing and rotation of judges, and it's a lot. People just say, oh, you're just sitting there playing on a laptop, which is, you know, partly true, <laughs> but there's also a bit more to it as well, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and, and, and as as you know, it was, uh, it was a great convention, the images that we saw were just phenomenal this year. Oh, it was a fantastic standard. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not sure whether it'll be the next game on Expert, you know, Judge Sim or something like that, where you can sit there and pretend to be a chair of your own photography competition. We've done all sorts of... I mean, you're a bit of a gamer, aren't you? You like your Xbox stuff. I do, I do. Um, I'm a big fan of it, actually. And, uh, you know, I, I did download Lawnmower Sim because I, lo- <laughs> I do like a nice straight line in me lawn out the back. Actually, I've got to pick up my mower from servicing because it's getting a bit wild out the back today. So I might give it a bit of a trim this afternoon, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. So today we're going to be talking about aspects of um, Scott's work and how he approaches it. And um, it's trying to get get behind the... um, the initial sort of view that we see when we look at someone's images to get a look at the person behind it, what inspires them. Um, and, you know, we've, I've talked a little bit with Scott prior to this meeting and we've discovered that for him, he's got a few key motivators. And um, for him, that's mainly getting a sense of achievement from his work and the work being fun. So I suppose first obvious question is um, what makes you work fun or what stops your work from being fun for you? Well, as you, uh, I, I predominantly, you know, we said off off air that I've, I'm a wedding photographer, but I've always I've said as, as a photographer that photographs weddings, uh, but weddings is what the bread and butter is, and I think it's the people. I'm, I'm a people person, as you know. I know I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I love chatting with people. I love banter. I like to think I've got a pretty good sense of humour, and I like to have a bit of a laugh on the day, and that really helps. It gets the couples relaxed. It gets me relaxed, and that will help put over what I want to try and achieve and it's often frustrating when that isn't allowed to happen for various reasons on the day itself so that's what makes it less fun when you're booked for a you know oh, we, we love your work we, we want this and we want that then on the day I just want to have a couple of beers with their mates which is fine it's absolutely yeah. fine that they're well in they're well within their right to do that but then oh we didn't get the picture of this and the picture of that no because you were drunk <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the part that's less fun. <laughs> yeah, you're expecting me to edit out the bar, edit out the point from your hand, and stick you in front of a nice sunset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, there's a story. There's a story there. There's, there. I did a wedding years ago, and uh, the bride was how do we put it? Nicely oiled, what we call okay. it in, yeah. in the trade, uh, and she was desperate for a sunset shot, and uh, she was hammered. And I mean hammered. Uh, and at sunset, she was in the disabled toilet being not too well. And then she said, can we come out and get the sunset shot now? I'm like, sunset, 20 minutes ago. But can we try anyway? I'm like, yeah, sure thing. Let's try anyway. So- <laughs> Just bring the sun back up for a few minutes. Yeah. yeah I, Quick I, encore. I've, I've, I've always said to my couples, I'm, I'm a, I'm, could be the best photographer on the planet, but I cannot stop the sun from setting. That's fact. I can't do it. Yeah, that, that sounds a little bit like my, my cats, actually. They'll sort of look at me as if to say, what do you mean the sun's going down and it's raining? 
make it better. Yeah. <laughs> cats and knobs, anyway. Sorry, I'm allowed to swear on this. I've got two, I've got two cats, and so they're, they're, they're idiots. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think they run the place, don't they? <laughs> so, I mean, um, you know, is, is it the day itself then that you enjoy the most out of being a wedding photographer, the actual sort of interaction with people? I mean, speaking of cats, people often say it's like herding cats being a wedding photographer. It's, you've nailed it, Joe. I absolutely nailed it. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, every every wedding I go to is a chance to create. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I go to a lot of you know, living... You know, I'm not too far from you down in Essex. Um, we've got a lot of old castles and stately homes that I get to get to work in. Um, and it's, it's really there that... Each wedding is different. Yes, the, the format of the day is exactly the same. And people say, do you not get bored? And the answer is that the format, you know, yeah, it can be a little bit rep- uh, repetitive, mm. but it's the people that make it. And if I'm allowed to create and I'm allowed to do what I'm good at and I'm allowed to express myself and capture their day as as it happens and put my little twist on it, that's what makes it really, really fun. Um, and you get back and you look for the images and you think they're going to love them. And then, you know, I sometimes do prints on the day and I'll share prints mm-hmm. on the day. Um, and they go around the, the, the wedding venue like wildfire and to see people's reactions, to see something that I've created 20 minutes ago going round mm. and people smiling and joking and, and, and it's, it's brilliant and it's the kick I get. And it's just knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm not academic at all. Uh, I left school at, at 16 um, and knowing that someone that was told that they'd never amount to something that is putting smiles on people's faces by something that I've done is pretty cool. There, yeah, there's so many of those idiots out there that talk absolute crap to our youngsters and sometimes tell them, you know, you'll never amount to anything. You can't do this. You can't do that. Rubbish. Absolute yeah. rubbish. You know, it's people have got again, to, got to find little, their niche. You know, that's all it is. You got to find something that fires you up and gets you going. And I mean, let's face it, for a lot of people, school is not it. No, <laughs> we we looked at high schools um, before Christmas, and we went to my old school because we, we don't live too far from where I went to high school. And my photography teacher is still teaching there, and I took. <laughs> A little bit too much pleasure in telling him just how well I'm doing at the minute, and uh, he looked <laughs> rather. <laughs> I've, been, I've been proving him wrong for 25 years. That's basically I'm in this I'm in this career now to prove him wrong. Uh, nice, and, I, and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't retire until he has at least. Then <laughs> no, I mean I'm surprised he's still going. He was ancient uh, back then, but I don't know. Oh. He must be a hundred, but. <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah i mean when, when you're doing those kind of sort of prints at a at a wedding do you find it then feeds the desire and for people to actually then have photos with you are they then a little bit more compliant in what you ask them to do when they see that actually you do know what you're talking about and you can make them look great yeah certainly it's really um as we know the, the digital age is is here and it ain't going anywhere um mm. and the art of printing is lost but if couples that are a bit hesitant you know you know what it's like you know i'm not photographing supermodels and i'm very fortunate to sometimes we photograph people that look like them but i'm still shooting weddings that people work at audis mm-hmm. you know um and if i can turn them into making them look, look and feel as good as they they look and show them it on a, a piece of paper that yeah they're definitely more inclined if we get if we get a nice sunset in the summer and say do you want to come out for 10 minutes they might have been a bit hesitant before, but if they're seeing how good they look, they're like, "Yeah, actually, yeah, we'll do that." And it's, um, mm. it's, and it's, it's helping with the reprint sales. It's helping with a number of things, and also, I'm printing eight, ten images and a wedding, and they're going around the venue. That's ten business cards for people yeah. that are getting married in the next five years. So, marketing-wise yeah. as well, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like a great idea to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I like my wife and I like to watch a bit of snooker sometimes. And Ronnie O'Sullivan is a bit of a a bit of a god in snooker circles. He's an incredible player. And the interesting thing noticing about um, him in recent years is he talks very much about focusing on is is he enjoying the game? Everyone else wants to know are you winning? What titles have you achieved? And all that. And for him, that's kind of a byproduct of him actually enjoying it that he produces his best work when he does and it sounds as though it might be sort of kind of similar for you 100 percent, 100 percent. i've uh th- th- there's no there's no secret that I, I struggled um last year with a number of things and you no know, weddings were starting to become not fun mm. uh due to you no know, situations we find ourselves in at weddings and and um the, some of the client and, and the guests that were there were making things challenging and problematic and it, it just stopped becoming fun and it, there mm. was a point that I thought maybe maybe we just 
come away from this a bit more and don't do as many you know, shoot fewer weddings and diversify a little bit more so we're not relying on on the weddings um and you know it was tough because i i do the, the good weddings are still going to be great but the mm. but the weddings that are, that are problematic were incredibly challenging last year and I, I for the first time in in 20 years i was like I think I could be done. I think I could be done. And then you get mm. a couple of good weddings and then you're like, what was I talking about? It's the best yeah. job in the world. It's amazing. Um, but the, but the pandemic as well taught me that you can't keep your eggs in one basket and, and you have mm. to you know shoot a multiple levels of photography. If you want to stay successful, the, the, the full time wedding photographer is a rare thing at the minute. I think, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot more people like myself that have had to diversify since the pandemic just to earn a few quid in the quiet months. So are you um, actively screening your clients a little bit more now so that you can choose the ones you think are going to be a bit more fun and work better with you? Yeah, the, the problem we found that the weddings we shot last year were all booked during during the pandemic, and it was a vote, mm. it was a Zoom call or um, a, a message over WhatsApp or, or Instagram, and it's, you can't pick up you no know, red flags in that it's so important to get people in and have them face to face. So every client, if they live miles away, then obviously we do it over zoom, but yeah. you know, other couples travel from West London to come and see me because you know, it's so important to, because not every client's right for me and not every, and, not, and I'm not right for every client. And that's so important. And if mm. it's to, and the art of saying no, sometimes is, is, is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. It can be difficult for, especially when people are early in the, in business, they feel they've got to take everything that's coming because they've got those bills that have got to be paid. But, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, if you start to get known for something that you don't want to do, that's a problem because you're going to attract more of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Show what, show what you want to sell. It, no, it's like, it's, you know, every car advert you see on, on TV, they're showing their top end spec, mm. you know, but they're saying prices start from this at the bottom in the in, in the small print. Yeah, um, yeah. And if you're if you're showing your prices start from this work, then mm. that's what you're going to get. If you're showing your signature images and you know if it's commercial portraiture or weddings or whatever, show what you want to sell and, and mm. it will attract the right client. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us a little bit about um, what you're adding into your weddings and uh, what sort of thing you're trying to attract for that. What sort of client you're after there? I I I don't believe you know you, you go to the you know, the convention for example or WPPI or imaging over in the USA and they'll say you've got to try and find your customer avatar and I disagree with avatars because if I stuck with an avatar that I had pre-pandemic or certainly ten years ago I wouldn't have had the the clients I've had and I've had the, mm. my biggest spending client that I've ever had was not my avatar. So I think it's, it, which is, you know, mm. avatars can work. They absolutely can work. And if it works for you, brilliant. But for me, yeah, it's, it, I'm a people person and we've got to connect on that level because they might think my photographs are the best in the world, but they think I'm a knobhead. They're not going to book <laughs> me. It's, it's yeah. as simple. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if, you know, they might have, be want to throw five grand at a wedding but if I'm not getting the vibe off the couple, I won't book it. It's you know, mm. it, it, we've got to be, it's got to match on a personal level. Um, otherwise, it's never going to work. No, absolutely, because I mean, you know, the expressions on a micro level really change as we are with someone that we relax with and interact well with. So you know, all the posing and everything changes when someone is relaxed with the photographer. Agreed. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. I mean, with uh, these kind of um, avatars, I think sometimes they can be a, a useful, vague rule of thumb. But I remember seeing one online um, not that long back that said, uh, you know, you could target somebody in their 70s who lives in a castle and, uh, and <laughs> do it, you know, going a little bit further down that route and saying, oh, they're a celebrity and so on. And um, they comes out as that could be either King Charles or Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, <laughs> you think, um, I can tell you who'd be more fun. <laughs> you can think, you know, but those two are totally different. Even though in various aspects of creating an avatar, you could say they look the same on paper. You yeah. know, so people are people. Yeah. <laughs> money doesn't buy your class, Joe. It's you know, people that come to me that, that, that say that we've got all the money we want to throw under grand at the wedding, and it's a car crash. Whereas someone comes to me and they've got ten grand of the whole wedding. It's the best wedding in the world because they've spent the money. Mm-hmm. wisely and properly rather than just show off how much money they got and i think that's that's a big difference yeah so um so with your with your portraits that you're now doing as well is that something that you're just doing in studio is it something that you're also mixing with your location work 
I've always been out and about on location because I didn't have the space to shoot in a studio. Yeah. Uh, and Fujifilm kind of forced my hand a little bit back in August where I was booked to launch. I used to be one of their brand ambassadors, but I still yeah. work very closely with Fujifilm. Um, and I use the GFX system at the minute. And they launched a new GFX in August. And they said, we want you to come and run a workshop. Uh, mm. We're going to bring all the guys from Europe across to... Um, to show how good the camera is. I thought, great, cool. Mm. Do shoots and weddings, it'd be awesome. I get there and I oh no, we're doing it in a studio. I've gone, Oh what? <laughs> and I haven't shot studio portraiture since I was on cruise ships. Um <laughs> and I had to think very quickly, right, how do I do this again? But luckily I've been on enough workshops with, you know, amazing portrait guys like Gary Hill for one of them. I've been on a couple of his mm. workshops. He's the guy's incredible. So I just list remembered what he was saying and we pulled it out of the bag. I'm like, God, I dodged a bullet there, Jesus. Um <laughs> and then I thought Actually, no, I can do this. So I bought some backdrops, um, and I'm now shooting portraits in my sales space. So it's either a, uh, mm. a showroom for weddings or a studio. Uh, it's not big enough to be both, unfortunately. So, but now I've got I've had clients come in post uh, pre uh, sorry, post uh, old uh, wedding clients, brought their families in, brought their kids in. And it's been great. It's been really good fun, and that, that's given me a bit of a spark uh, to push on mm. for this year. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice way of seeing those clients again and getting a little bit of repeat business out of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I should turn the work away. And say, no, no, I don't, I don't, do, I don't do portraiture. Go and see someone else, which is nuts. You know, turning away good money. <laughs> um, and now we're trying to do a little bit more of it. And again, try and plug that gap in the winter because, you know, I think you've got to be multifaceted in this day and age to, 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 to survive because there's winter's a long old time and weddings, mate. I tell you, it's a long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, you kind of enjoy being with being with people uh, 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 and um, that helps you with your weddings and so on. I mean, do you do you think you kind of have to be a people person to do weddings and, and portraits? Um, how, how much do you think your personality uh, sort of unlocks that for you? It certainly helps. It certainly helps. I mean, if you're engaging with the people, because let's be honest, in this country, we're not as in is ingrained in the profession as they are in the USA for example because they have sweet 16s they have senior portraits they have graduation at college so they have their photograph taken professionally maybe eight or nine times before they get married in this country generally it could be the first time I've ever been photographed professionally mm. and it's a big kind of there's a lot of nerves there and it's about breaking that nervousness down and just talking to people, you know, having a little laugh and a joke. It's knowing where the line is a lot of the time as well. You know, yeah. you, you can't, you can't know. Sometimes I get away with absolute murder. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you just know, okay, that joke is not for today. That and, mm. and it's, it's being socially aware. And I think that just comes with experience. I think, you know, they've got to like you if they like you. I, I, I've said this expression, I tell all my clients that, I want you to look back on that day and think, man, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it rather than think it was a chore. Mm. If they think it's a chore, I've not done my job properly. It's just get them on, get them off the back foot, breaking down a couple of exterior walls and getting mm. through to the real person. By doing that, just by talking, just, just being nice and talking to people and just being personable and being, you know, funny where you need to be funny, empathetic where you need to be empathetic and sad where you need to be sad. So it's just, it's just being aware of where you are and what you're doing and, and what you're there to achieve. Mm. So um, are you then kind of um, selling it more about the experience than the photos, or would you say they have a kind of an equal weighting when you're, when you're selling it to, to somebody? Um, how, how do you, what sort of things do you emphasise? Because I think often you'll get photographers who think, well, I've just got to go, go cheap because all it is is they're after some photos. You know, I mean, obviously you're going to be wanting to put together a little bit more of a premium package for people with some good quality prints and so on. But, you know, how does, how does the waiting lie for you when you're approaching potential customers or when you're, you're selling it through your website? It's all about trust, Joe. It's all about, you know, I, I, I just, I say, I can be the best photographer in the world. You need to let me be it. And if I'm suggesting this or suggesting that, you're going to have to trust me. Mm. Uh, No Weddings that we start shooting in April and May and then back in September and October, I advise all the couples to have the speeches first because Mm -hmm. the best light, that golden hour, that hour and a half that we get around half past six to half past seven before sunset that time of year, can often happen during the speeches and as, and as a creative there's nothing more frustrating than seeing the most amazing light drop down behind a marquee and you're in their photograph on <laughs> the speech it's like oh come on <laughs> so it's about educating without patronising the couple to say look I really recommend one you don't want to spend £120 on a plate of food 
your groom get nervous and he not eat it and it all goes to waste. So get the speeches done first so you can relax and enjoy your dinner. And then if the sun mm. goes down nicely, I can come and grab you between courses to get some nice images. If you don't want to do it, that's fine, but I'll always ask the question. And when you're kind of putting it over and using your experience to to reassure and, you know, this is why you're paying the money for having me to come out and do it, they buy into me a little bit more because I'm just mm-hmm. reassuring and give basically I give them one less thing to worry about on the wedding day. That's what I try and do. It almost sounds like you're kind of slipping into the role of wedding planner a little bit there. I've always said when when my time comes and my back finally gives up, I I've always said I would I would shift into becoming a toastmaster and mm-hmm. being being that kind of for not force on the day, but that little steering rod to guide the day as it needs to be guided. Because I've shot for twenty years, I've probably done over a thousand weddings, so there's not much I haven't seen. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're there. We're counselors. We're wedding planners. We're dress fitters. We're makeup artists. We're 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 multi hats on the wedding day. Yes, we're there with a camera, but we're the supplier that's there the longest. We're there from if I'm doing a full day wedding, I'm and the wedding's at two. I'm there at half eleven, twelve, setting up, but I'm not disappearing until mm. nine. So. Yeah. We're there the longest, so that's where our experience. And I get asked all the time, "What do you reckon on this and that?" Well, maybe think about doing it this way. Oh, it's a great idea. I haven't thought about mm. that, and it's just reassuring a couple that they're booking me for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. That, that may, you're adding value all the way there. It's um, right from the beginning when they're thinking about the the day, and then on the day itself, and it just adding adding value at every single stage. It's not just yeah. you kind of floating around in the background, and we'll deliver some pictures at some point. Which we do, obviously, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah it, it's, it's way more than that than it ever. I mean, it used to be when I, I was in this industry when I was 18, um, and I remember the photographers who would shoot film would come into the lab that I used to work at, and they would literally do a four hour shoot. They would arrive half an hour before the bride left and disappear when the cake was cut before the meal, and that was it. There was no <laughs> prep or first dance or anything like yeah. that. They were, it was literally in and out, see you later, thank you very much. But mm. we've had to evolve with the times now, and it's not a bad thing. It, the, mm. the evolution in photography and weddings is good and bad, but I think from the people side of it and the experience that we can now deliver, it's definitely a good thing. Do you think people have realistic expectations from like uh, wedding magazines and so on? Uh, or do you find that you really do need to educate them quite a bit as to what's involved in creating those sorts of narratives and with images? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, I think. it's <laughs> yeah. uh, As you know, I live in the heart of Essex. I'm in Chelmsford and I've shot weddings everywhere. And mm. uh, we go, oh, I'd love a photograph on a... Uh, on a on a beach at sunset, I'm like you be getting married in Braintree. There's no beach in Braintree. It's just, it's just. You know, so again, nice. you kind of have to. We can do a sunset, but how about we do it like this? Yeah, but I love it on a beach. Then get married in the go Clacton, go Clacton for an afternoon and do it, do it there. But yeah, so you have to. Yeah, they're good. The bad side of it is then you get a list where a, a bride is just copied and pasted out a magazine, and 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 I mm. just say to the couple. I can do this, of course I can, but I'd rather photograph your wedding and the moments that happen at your day than try and look for something or engineer something that might not happen. Let me photograph your day as it happens rather than someone else's. They go, oh, that's a good Mm. point. I go, yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, when you've you've got the experience and you've got the the technical skills and you've got the creativity, you can make the most out of all sorts of situations. I mean, you must have had some pretty ropey, rainy days at times and been looking out the window thinking oh great we haven't done any outdoor shots yet <laughs> yeah i did a talk in norway this time last year i was i was flown out to norway to do one of the, their version of the society's convention um and they wanted to call my um my talk i won't swear with crappy locations no problem but use the s word <laughs> yeah yeah okay like, yeah, i can't yeah. call it that i can't call it that and like, you shouldn't be great i went no <laughs> i can't call it that um so yeah we called it something different but yeah i'm known for turning something uh, turning a you know a, a sales ear in a sink purse many times on a wedding day it's looking for just look mm. for light look for light and the rest is easy yeah, I remember uh, a few years back seeing uh, seeing one of yours. I think it was uh, you were lying down next to a puddle, <laughs> yep. getting a lovely reflection shot in with the you know it makes it look almost like they're standing next to a lake, whereas it's just a muddy puddle on a rather knackered driveway. <laughs> yeah, people so, say to me, "Where'd you get the puddle from?" I said, "I made it myself." And like, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, excellent, yeah. So, I mean. Um, the, what you, the work that you did before becoming a wedding photographer did did that kind of help you to um, 
refine where you were going or was it a case of testing genres until you actually hit upon weddings and thought now this is really me yeah pretty much that as, as i said i touched on earlier i worked on cruise ships and you have to be everything you there. cruise ships i, I heard well, a rumor I, about that did you really but no i you have to be everything there portrait i've shot i shot weddings on the cruise ship events you name it we had to do it um and i Weddings was I, I generally fell into it. So I came off the wed, uh, the cruise ship. I got a job in Jessup's, um, selling cameras and working in the lab there. And then a guy who I'd known from when I worked in professional labs when I was a hand printer, set up his own business and said, "I think you know I'm looking for someone to come and help. Do you want to come and do it?" I'm like, "Yep, I'll give mm-hmm. it a try." Mm-hmm. And that was in 2004, and and I'm still here. So yeah, yeah, 20 years. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. But yeah, it wasn't. I wanted to shoot music and sport. That's what I wanted to do. Okay, um, and I still shoot a bit of sport sometimes. Um, and that's, is it boxing you know, you've done only about a year or two ago? You didn't, I was didn't, out in Paris. I was competing yeah. in the jiu-jitsu championships, and I, I, I was accredited as well. I took the camera and did ah. um, the European championships out there, and I, I, I loved it. And it's just, it's something I love. Sport photography it's, it's a real, mm-hmm. it's a real skill to it, and uh, you know, capturing that moment that decisive moment in a thousandth of a second and nailing it. Mm. Uh, one of my favourite guys uh, is a guy called Neil Leifer, and he's a boxing photographer. And he's the guy that took the Ali picture when he's beaten Sonny Liston. And, mm-hmm. and he says it's, a, it's not about being the best photographer, it's about being in the best place because the best photographer is behind him. You can see the, the mm-hmm. best box photographer in, in the, in, of that generation. You can see between Ali's legs in that shot when he's got <laughs> his fist up. And he said, mm. he's better than me, but I was in the right place. And it's just knowing where something might happen and, mm. and kind of getting your head around it that way. That's what I enjoy. Yeah, I think with um, in a way it's kind of similar um, between, I know it might seem that sports and weddings are totally different, but in a sense, being able to read what's going on, being familiar with the kind of patterns that occur, you can start to work out where you need to be and when. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially when you're working with kids. You no, know, kids are, as you said, that is that is herding cats at a wedding, trying to get flower girls and page boys lined up for a picture, <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, but then it's, sometimes it's just say, no, off you go, let them go, just let them go. Because if you keep them there, they're going to get the ump, they're going to start mm. kicking off and say, no, let, let a kid be a kid. And then I'll just go and follow them and, 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 and photograph them, having fun, which is what kids are all about. And you'll get way better pictures. And it's just knowing when to not push that envelope and say actually i'm gonna let no let's send the kids away we'll come back just later on mm. um it's it's a much much better way of doing things and being so situation socially aware of, of an of an opportunity that may present itself it is certainly a key mm-hmm. so with uh with things like sports photography is that something that um you do kind of more for fun or is that something that you're bringing into your professional portfolio as well fun just fun, mm-hmm. just fun. I, I, I earned a couple of quid when I was in Paris last year from competitors when they, you know, I had a, a got, had a QR code and sent the QR code out and, you know, made a couple of quid from pictures, but it certainly wasn't going to, I'm not going to, you know, give up weddings for, for sport, but mm. it's just something I enjoy. I, I, I said I enjoy taking pictures. I don't care what it is. I just enjoy doing it. And I've got a bit of an insight in the, in the sport and it's just, knowing what might happen in the position that you see well well, i think they're going to try this technique so i'm going to move myself around a bit to try and get that reaction Mm. if that technique Mm. goes on so it's just again it's just being a bit more aware of 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 what's going on in front of me i mean some photographers like to do like a personal project so that because sometimes their professional work isn't as fulfilling as they want it to be that might be one reason or they want to learn a new technique or whatever i mean you know do you would you would you think of it in terms of being like a personal project or do you have a particular one or do you just like to make sure that you just um do some fun shooting whatever it is just to keep yourself in love with the photography uh i i've been shooting architecture for about oh wow probably six or seven years so that's that's what mm-hmm. i enjoy that's what i really really enjoy doing is is photographing old buildings but the modern architecture at the minute is just breathtaking and mm-hmm. trying to make something artful out of mm-hmm. just bricks and mortar is I, I love it and it's just something that tilt shift and a 10 stop isn't it <laughs> I, i've never shot a tilt shift to be You've honest not I, I, oh no. architecture and no tilt shifts no Ooh, wow no so <laughs> even even the image that yeah. That that won me the architectural photographer of the year uh, last year before last. Um, we no no tilt shift, just mm-hmm. just uh, edit in in Photoshop. But no, I love it. Mm. 
I was in London um, about a month ago doing it and got some nice pictures and I was in Paris again uh, just after the convention and I was walking around getting some shots and stuff. I've always, you know, buildings that I've been wanting to tick off my list for a long time now. So mm. it's not, my mates just thinks I'm doing a, uh, another fellowship. I'm absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> the thought of doing another fellowship terrifies me. This is purely uh, for fun. Um, yeah. And I just like taking nice pictures of nice things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having, having done my fellowship not that many years ago, I'm, I'm, Still, definitely not in that place of thinking. Oh yes, let's do another one. I know some people like to, seem to like to collect them almost, but um, no, no, I, I went, I, I went grey when I did my <laughs> fellowship, uh, and the, the second one was a bit easier. But the first one, I remember, I was like, man, this is. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> So um, you said you were in Paris for um, a jiu-jitsu, was it a tournament, competition or something? Well, it was supposed oh. to be, yeah. So, ah. But I broke my finger just before Christmas, um, oh. training for the championships. Um, uh-huh. And it's still a bit bent. And it's, that's about as straight as it's going to be. It's not on webcam. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I had to pull out. I couldn't I couldn't. Complete. For those not train. able to see Scott's finger, I can confirm it is wonky. Um, yeah, it's it's just, it was frustrating because I did quite well last year out there yeah. um, and I wanted to go and have another go, but I, my body was like, no, and I just made, I made the grown up decision to, to withdraw my, to uh, my entry um, and I went to go and uh, photograph it and then they cut down the amount of accreditation passes this year oh. so I didn't get accredited this year uh-huh. so I just went out to Paris for two days and shot some buildings it was, <laughs> it was and like a lot of steak and a lot of chips <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> silver lining to the cloud I suppose yes. yeah <laughs> yeah as long as you like your steak pretty rare I think in in, in France um, you know everything is kind of almost still mooing when you get it in there. yeah I mean I, normally I'll just say bring me in a live cow I'll, cut, I'll eat what I want and ride the rest home I love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember um when i was working in france for a bit and uh, there, there was always a couple of people from our university there it was like a placement for uh, during our degree and um i was like at the canteens like oh here comes one of the english give them a bit of boot leather <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm, I'm one of these rare breeds that i actually don't put any any sauce on my steak i like mm. to eat and taste the steak for the meat than what it is and i'm why why spend 40 quid on a nice steak and put some two pound peppercorn sauce on top of it i never never understand it <laughs> no no i think good 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 quality food you want to taste it absolutely get good ingredients in the first place and it, it makes a difference yeah, yeah totally yeah i uh, i suppose you you being being an elite athlete like that you have to watch very carefully what you eat do you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about elite athlete but no certainly <laughs> I, I have to make weight I, I i'm in a certain weight category that i can't go over well, i can go over but i'll be the smallest one in the weight category above me but i i'm definitely right. better but as, as as i'm sure you can attest as, as the older we get the harder it is to, to keep the weight off and uh mm. especially why they put the european championships three weeks after christmas i've got no idea they're just being, cruel. <laughs> they're just being mean yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean the thing though i suppose as well with with sport with uh, martial arts there's quite a lot of self-discipline has to go into it not just into not eating before a tournament uh, yeah, I mean, I've been in, I've been involved in martial arts since I was ten. Um, okay. I started karate when I was ten. I got my black belt at thirteen. Mm-hmm. Carried on till I was thirty. Then my knees gave up. Um, and then started Brazilian jiu-jitsu almost three years ago. Um, but it's certainly yeah. the karate aspect was was discipline and and you know, knowing that you know you're here to learn. You're here to you know not talk and, and muck about because you muck about people get hurt. It's as simple as that. And the, and the jiu-jitsu yeah. now, it's a great escape i think anyone especially when you're working in our kind of environment you need that level of escape you need that release i mm-hmm. think because you know going back to, to to last year you know it was it was a tough year um and without the the physical release of doing something active like that I, you know it would have been a different you know it would have been a lot harder but i think it, i think we owe it to to have a hobby mm. where you can if it's walking or if it's going taking pictures or it's you know sport like i do it's just it's so important to switch off and when mm. you go into that space nothing else matters if you have the worst day in the world you're having the worst day or the worst week you step on the mats 
you, you, you slap on your bump and you have a six minute round and mm. nothing else matters and you're just thinking about something that has no relation at all to your day-to-day work and that is the best advice I can give anybody just just switch mm. off find that thing that you don't have to worry about anything for a couple of hours and it's it's the mm. best I, I'm I, you probably see on my Facebook I put on there I'm generally a nicer person after jiu-jitsu <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, people people these days are a little bit more aware of things like sort of mindfulness, and some people sort of find the whole idea of trying to sit still and calm their mind absolutely terrifying. Uh, I mean, I'm somebody who finds it very hard to sort of be still, and I think uh, hobbies like sports can be a very good way of doing that because you have to focus on what you're doing. And especially in martial arts, you're going to get hit, or you're going to break a finger, <laughs> yeah. or you know, it's 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 something that that, that was technically my fault. But anyway, um, it, it, but yeah, you need it's so important. I remember my first WPPI that I was speaking at back in 2018. I hired a car and went to Death Valley. Oh yeah, um, and it was February, so it wasn't. It was still you no, know, it was hot, but it wasn't scorching. Mm. And it's a place called Devil's Golf Field. Oh, there was golf course, sorry, and it's just a, a, a just a short drive from uh, Death Valley. Um, and I parked the car and I walked in at the desert, and I remember sitting there, and I've never heard silence like it. I, they say mm. silence is deafening. There wasn't a breath of wind, an animal noise, or anything. And I just sat there, having spent six days in Vegas speaking mm. at an event and doing the whole that kind of thing. And I sat there, and it must have been an hour. And I just didn't, I lay down, on the, it was obviously sand dunes. I remember laying on the sand, looking up at the, watching a sunset in complete silence. And I, mm. and I was just like, man, you need to let your brain rest because mm. you can drive yourself nuts if you don't. You need that time where you just go for a walk. If you're having a bad day in the office, you work from home, just go to the shops and back. Go and get a cup of coffee or a paper, go and buy some lunch, but let your brain just switch off. It's mm. so valuable at the minute. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it can be in a great thing when your hobby becomes how you earn a living. But on the other hand, the flip side of it is if that hobby is then always about making a living, about your career, about the business, you kind of need to find something else to de-stress with a bit. Yeah, you do. You know, um, beer helps sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. And thankfully, you can get more German beer over here now, which I'm very pleased about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. But no, it, yeah, definitely. I think you need that that level of, of release, um, whatever it is. You know, just just find mm. that one thing that you can that you look forward to doing when work is finished. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, years ago, I used to do um, fencing. That's not as in putting up fences, but uh, as in the the sword fighting. So, yeah, that was uh, sabre, epée and foil. I used to do a little bit of each of those. And, uh, you know, one of the the things that I I remember from that is that even when you'd been doing it for a while, there was always that process you went through of warming yourself up, of the discipline to do your basic moves, keep your footwork good and accurate it wasn't like oh you've been doing this five or ten years you don't need to practice your footwork anymore everybody at the beginning of the session everybody without exception was doing footwork practice before you got anywhere near picking up your kit and getting on with it Um, and there there was that kind of discipline that actually then enabled you to be freer once you were actually in the fight you know Uh, we we have black belts that, that have been training for 15 years are still doing their forward rolls and the hip escapes to warm up because you know mm. it's you've got to stick to the fundamentals whatever you do stick to the fundamentals and then later on down the line you, it will become instinctive and whether that's photography whether mm. that's anything especially I think especially photography where you know if you get the basics right then it's okay then when you're doing the hard stuff the basics will come freely and more easily mm. to allow you to be more creative in, in, the, in the things that may be challenging like off-camera flash or you're trying something different but if you stick to the fundamentals the rest is mm. is pretty much simple yeah i mean i think you know with with the kit being quite accessible these days and it being digital sometimes people can slip into being a bit lazy but i, I find that actually um uh, that's why I've done the sort of talk, uh, tools not rules, um, at, at the at the convention. So when, if you can get your head around technique, it's not there to hinder you. It's not there to hold you back. It's not there to put you in a box. It's there to give you the freedom to create. You know, it's it's a tool. Um, so it's just, it's just so sad when people don't want to put that work into their technique or to their understanding of their craft um, because they, they're actually limiting themselves by doing that. No, I agree. I think I think we've got complacent and lazy with digital. When I, I, I've, 
I purposely shot my second fellowship on film because I wanted mm. to push myself and challenge. But you stick to the basics. You stick to light. You stick to composition, and you stick to exposure. Mm. And you know, and when you shoot, as you know, you shoot with film. There is no chimping. You can't see the. Uh, let me open the back of the camera and have a look because you, nope. it's gone. You know, you have mm. to trust in the basics, trust in the fundamentals, and the rest will just happen in front of you. Which is, you know, and I think, you know, film has have a. It's had a bit of a resurgence. Not so much now, but certainly I think in the early, you know. 2010s film was definitely making a a, a recovery, but like vinyl, you know, it always yeah. has a cycle. And I think yeah. you know, it's you know, stick to the basics, and the rest is simple. Yeah, it is interesting how those kind of analog forms seem to have come back a bit. You know, both with film and with and with vinyl. Um, you know, it's it's sometimes you see people that were in digital thinking, well, how do I get that kind of uh, experience with the digital camera and you've rigged all these bizarre articles like tape up the back of your camera and only take one lens out with you don't take a zoom lens and all these kind of things and uh, and you think well at the heart of it it's just kind of you know focusing yourself discipline yourself down don't don't be lazy you know it's- well, it goes back to it goes back to the martial art you know sometimes you get beat up sometimes you, yeah. you get beat up and you get turned inside out by an 18 year old purple belt which is fine you know that's what mm. we're there to learn but you've got to take a deep breath take a step back and go no I'm not letting that happen again and the same with photography You sometimes you can rush so much you make mistakes mm. whereas if you just stop take a couple of deep breaths and go right how am I going to compose this how am I going to expose this how am I going to mm. what length and then you'll just find it just it would just naturally happen yeah, absolutely. And you can find yourself in uh, tricky situations where for some reason you haven't got a piece of kit that you really wanted to have with you. I mean, I've done a I've done a shoot before where where I was um, shooting some headshots for for a business and I'd, uh, the intention was to have a rim light. So to have a, a long um, strip box on either side behind them to give a little bit of a rim light to them. And I somehow managed to leave behind one of the adapters that attached one of the strip boxes to the light. Yep. And, you know, instead of having a cry in the corner and uh, throwing me hands up in the air and despairing and giving up, you know, you come back to, well, OK, what are the principles of how light works? How am I going to get around this? Let's set up right near that wall there. Use that wall to bounce the light, angle the light towards the wall. Use the wall to bounce the light back onto their shoulder from that side. It's slightly different shape to the to the strip box the other side, but it does pretty much the same job. And nobody knew the difference. No, you know, uh, when, uh, uh, when you know uh, that uh, technique, you can, you know, all the technical elements, they help you out when you get a bit stuck. And what did you do when you realised you hadn't got it? You went, right, how am I going to get around this? You stopped, you took yeah. a breath, and you, yeah. used, you, you and you, you thought about it. So like anything, just don't, you can busy yourself so much where you, you, you forget to think. Just stop, take a step back, have a breath, and then think. Well, and it's easy to get so reliant on kit. You know, you, you think, well, I always use that camera. I always use that lens to do such and such. And I want to have these lights in place. And sometimes you haven't got the space. Sometimes you haven't got the access to the kit for whatever reason. Or sometimes you have been a prat like me and left something out of your kit, out of your kit bag. But last when one I shot last year, I left, the, I left the entire camera and its lenses at home here. I wow. got to the venue. I'm like, oh, <laughs> but I, I, we always have spares. So it wasn't. Yeah. Much, but then I but then. It's my faster camera. The GFX is amazing, but it's not mm-hmm. the fastest, especially in December when it's dark at focusing. The, 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 the yeah. new one, the yeah. 100, 100 Mark II, is amazing, but I've got the 100S, mm-hmm. which is which is great. But I'm like, okay, that's cool. We'll adapt and we'll overcome. And that's mm. what we did. And sometimes you just... So I shot with one camera and two lenses. I shoot primes. So mm-hmm. I had one camera and two lenses all day and, and the, the pictures are amazing And because mm. I had to stop and think. You know, I didn't, mm. I, I didn't fall into the trap of autopilot i had to stop and think like chess four Mm. moves ahead what am i going to do and then it it was a better coverage as a result i think yeah absolutely you know you can end up with silly little things i was on a beginner beginner's workshop one time and they go oh no my my zoom doesn't reach that far well i said well have you tried your other zoom what what, what other zoom your feet (laughs) (laughs) walk nearer <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but it sounds really silly. But so often we can get so lazy uh, with uh, with kit and everything that we just forget obvious basics. And so learning and drilling the the basics in, like with a sport, just gives you that foundation that when something unexpected comes along, you can deal with it. Yep, absolutely. I mean, again, twenty years in, there's not much I haven't dealt with. So there's always 
you think you forget stuff, but it's like that song you haven't heard for 15 years on a road. You know everybody, you know all the words. You know all yeah. the words. It's in there somewhere. Like mm. photography, it's all in there somewhere. And at times of crisis, it will just pop up and go, ah, no, I've done this before. I can do this. And you mm. just deal with it. Yeah. And in, in a way, sometimes it, it can end up showing you how little kit you actually need to get a decent photo. You know, sometimes you, think, you might think, well, actually, I like shooting on location, but I also like to have a bit of fill light coming in here and I'll have a bit of that, a bit of the other. I'll have an assistant with a reflector over there to make sure it's all nicely balanced. Then when you find yourself with just you, with a camera, with an 85 mil prime lens, you can still create beautiful stuff yeah, without a load of kit. Complexity is the enemy of execution always. You can overcomplicate stuff to the point it hinders what you're trying to achieve, whereas you strip it right back. And it makes mm. life so much. I mean, I've got, I've got a T5 van, so I've got all the gear on it, all my light stands in there, my modifiers, so they're there if I need it. But it very rarely comes out unless ah, I'm going to try this shot today. I go mm. in the van, I've got the equipment that I need. But generally, I've got a little roller case with a camera and a few lenses in, and that's 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 all I take out now. So, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but over the years, there's there's been stuff that I've bought that I had convinced myself I absolutely needed, and then it doesn't come out of the kit bag, and you think. Why on earth did I get that? Yeah. <laughs> Have you been there? Yeah. Oh, all the time. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm notorious for not buying things at trade shows now because I've thrown so much money down the drain at trade shows. Because So the whole, so the whole reason I joined societies back in mm. 2009, I went to Focus, which is now the, the photography shop at NEC, I was looking for a um, a monopod because I was shooting speeches with, with a, with a seventy two hundred. I thought I can I get a monopod just to make the, the the longer end of the focal length sharper. And mm. the societies were giving away a free monopod with memberships. I thought that'll do, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the best thing I ever bought at a trade show was a, was a was a free was a free monopod with a membership with the societies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've bought all stuff at the trade shows: modifiers and batteries and. God knows what else, and it just sits there. I just end up selling it because there's no point. Don't, you know, they're, they're really good companies. I've worked with a lot of companies, don't get me wrong, and they're amazing, mm. but they're very good at making you spend money when you don't need to at trade oh, yeah. shows. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're doing photography as a business, I mean, yes, you want things that you can use to be creative and have fun, but I, I, I kind of got into the situation of thinking if I can't make a business case for it, then I'm afraid I'm going to have to do without it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> No, if totally. I can't say I mean, this, this is going to make a difference because, and it's going to help speed me up by X amount or whatever, unless it can be somehow vaguely quantified, you think, nah, you're just getting, you're just getting sucked into that, uh, you know. Oh, I want it, I want it, more gear, more gear. Yeah, it, it comes down to needs and wants. It comes down: do I need it or do I want it? And that's the way I break things down now. I, do I need? Do I need a Ferrari? No. Do I want one? Of course I do. But I don't need it. My, my van mm. works great, thank you very much. It's like, do you need a Rolex or do you need a Mickey Mouse watch? Both yeah. tell the time exactly <laughs> the same way. And that's it's a very just... fetching Mickey Mouse watch you've got on, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah ab absolutely. Yeah, and... Um, uh, all too often, um, people want to upgrade their cameras or get the new, the latest lens and so on. You think, well, is it actually going to offer you anything different? Is it really going to change the way you shoot? How many of the functions on your camera do you even use anyway? Why do you need another load? I mean, this not even ten percent. I reckon <laughs> not everyone here. About ten percent of the buttons they push is that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's like the shooting speed and so on. I mean, for for me, most of my work is in the studio and is slow. It's on products. It's manual focus. So trying to sell me a camera by saying it'll shoot 120 frames a second all with autofocus is like, well, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're shooting wildlife, brilliant. It's going to yeah. be perfect for you. If you're shooting sport, brilliant. But I'm shooting when you're photographing guitars. You know, it, it, yeah. they don't move that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. It's having the right tools to to do the job, isn't it? Really, that that's all you need, and the the rest of it all comes from within the old uh, grey matter. Exactly. Well, less grey, more, you know, scalp matter now. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do you have any kit though that you've got your eye on? Uh, yeah, you know, the my I tend to go through obviously the amount the, the volume of weddings that I shoot, we shoot about forty a year, so that's a mm. high number of weddings. Uh, I tend to change my camera about every three years, three or four years, because mm -hmm. 
they have a life. They have a life, and I get them serviced every year at Fujifilm, and they, I, get, I do look after them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have a life. And when I had the the GFX 100 Mark II back in August, I'm like, oh, that's that's really something special. Mm-hmm. So that's on the list of replace of, of what I might get this year. But it comes down to it comes down to money. You know, if mm-hmm. I can't afford it, I won't get it. What I've got, the, the new camera that comes out doesn't make my camera any worse. Mm. And that's what people thought in the trap. Oh, Mike, it'd be better. Yeah, but your camera's still good. What you've got is still good. It's yeah. still exactly... Yeah. No, it doesn't change anything. Yes, it's new new and shiny. And Andreas and James at Fujifilm are very good at pushing stuff on me. I'm like, no, go away. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> but it's of an age now where is this purchase going to make me any more money? And if it does, mm. then I'll think about it. If it's not, then I won't. It's just, it, it's just said, you've got to be... Where times are a little bit harder now in the social industry and money's that little bit harder to come by, you've got to be a lot more careful about where you spend it. And I think you can very, very easily spend a lot of money and waste it on the wrong things. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, things like updating your website every couple of years, that's a that's an investment. You've got to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, going on your training course every now and again, that's an investment in yourself. You've got to do that. Buying a new lens because it's got five more mil and half a stop extra light. It's not going to change the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was then going to ask what sort of things should you put your money into in as a professional? And yeah, I mean, I suppose websites and so on, it, it's kind of, it's your marketing. It's making sure that you're you're out there. It doesn't matter if you've got all the, all the fanciest, latest kit in the world, if no one knows you're there. Yeah. And training, you know, train, mm. train, business, business training. If you're learning something new, like I said, I've been doing portraiture. I've been doing a lot more um, courses on on portrait lighting and shooting in small spaces. Mm. Uh, it's investing in yourself, and it's you know, I I've been very fortunate. I've I've spoken at events all over the world, but I will still attend a class if I think I'm going to get value out of it. And I'll sit in the back and I'll make notes, and I get picked on by the speaker because you know I've I've mm. no I've been very you know known. Uh, events and things but you know I was at a Jerry Gurnis workshop at WPPI last year because it was a a talk he'd never done before Mm -hmm. about mindset and creativity and I thought this is going to be perfect I sat there for two hours and I took about a million notes because Mm. just because people see us as speakers and judges and chairs but we are still at the coalface working photographers and we're here to learn as just as anyone else is and it's just so important to not forget that and get and rest Mm. on your laurels because before you know it You've you've done nothing for five years apart from the same old thing and repent mm. and, and um, you know it's uh, comfort is the enemy of progress and if you get comfortable in 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 what you are doing you're going to get complacent you get complacent you're going to get overtaken and see mm. like you've got to be you know investing in yourself absolutely every time yeah absolutely. Um- all too often, people will put all their money into the kit and then they haven't got any money for training or they look at a sort of a, a training event and see, oh, a few hundred quid, oh, that's a bit much. And you think, yeah, but what that equips you to do, it's, um, I mean, at whatever level you are, I think if anyone thinks they know it all, they're, they're, they're in trouble. They're, you, yeah. you're, you've always got to be open to, to learning more and um, it can be, it doesn't just have to be because it's a different genre. It can be within your own genre mm-hmm that actually someone else's perspective on it can suddenly make you think differently about how you do it, and that helps keep you fresh, for one thing. I totally agree. I was chatting with Fiona McKean at, um, at the end of year judging at Societies, and she was just we're just a chat, you know, around mm-hmm. the dinner table when she was saying, I'm like, I never thought of it like that. And I've, I've, and I've implemented it in my business moving forward. It's just a, a casual mm-hmm. conversation at the bar, and everybody knows the conventions mm-hmm. are great, but all the best conversations do happen at the bar. Um, <laughs> and it's just a... A quick half a conversation, and it's I'm like, oh my god, I did not think I didn't see it like that. And mm. it's you know, every day's a school. The day I stop learning, Joe, is the day I give it up. Yeah, yeah, and you know, even if it's not learning something new, sometimes it's just being reminded why you're mm-hmm. doing what you do. You know, because you can go through the paces sometimes and go through the motions and. You know, get that slightly, ugh, you know, it, lethargic feel with it all. And you've had a few clients that haven't perhaps been ideal or something. But then actually talking to another photographer about their business and it, just a slight change of perspective can help reinvigorate you and uh, re-energize you to think, oh, I'm going to pick my camera up today and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get on with it. It's a very isolated job as well, isn't it? I mean, I spend a lot yeah. of my time here just sitting by myself. I've got podcasts on and I've got two cats to annoy me all day. But uh, mm. but it's, it's, you know, it's knowing that you're not the only one fighting that fight. It's knowing mm. that you're not the only one that, you know, are having the challenges that you're facing and it's a, a, a bouncing, you know, issues off each other. And they say, well, I dealt, I understand now I had that, like, and I dealt with it this way. You go, oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's awesome. And mm. it's giving, you know, that, 
you know the, the conventions are amazing just for reconnecting the friendships and just it's reminding you that you're not in you're not doing it alone there are many many people yeah. out there that are in the same boat as you facing the same challenges mm. and it's that's a that's a great thing because you know in, weddings are up and down and you think you're smashing it and all of a sudden people say to you how's, how's business you go, yeah it's a bit quiet yeah i'm quiet mm. too and mm. they're like they're panicking thinking it's them but it's yep. not it's the industry it's the industry and i think it's just it's great for for that kind of kind of thing that is where things like the societies of photographers are so helpful i think especially uh, so photographers when they start out can often be well actually i'm not going to meet up with so-and-so who's also a photographer locally because they're the competition and uh, they're kind of wary of each other and then you go to a society's convention where you've got people from all over the world who can't even possibly be your competitors or anything that makes it easier and you suddenly realize actually talking to these people is is mutually helpful. It's not yeah. something where you're suddenly going to reveal a secret, which means they poach all of your customers and you're going bust. You know, it's that kind of overprotective attitude actually harms you in the long run. I think. I completely agree. I did a talk for Fuji Film here, just down the road, um, mm. and I thought, do I hide stuff? Do I keep stuff back? I thought, why? Mm. I'm being paid to give information and help other photographers grow. So I, 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 with, I withheld nothing. I, I mm. did my normal talk if, if, if I was up in, up in Darlington, for example, but you know, goes right back to start the conversation. People book me for me. I don't book, mm. they like what I do, but they book me for me. So I could tell my competition down the road what I do, but if I don't like that person, I don't want to book them. They'll come to me anyway. So it's, that's yeah. where it's okay to share. You know, it's okay mm. because coming out of COVID, we were doing weddings for each other, left, right and center because I'd get COVID, I need cover and vice versa. It actually, I think yeah. it made the industry a tighter unit um, coming out of COVID because we were all there, literally in the same boat trying to help each other get through it. Yeah, um, really, really does help um, with that support. Because as you said, it can be such a an isolating sort of lonely industry otherwise. So finding ways of connecting with others uh, can be so... I mean, it's, for me, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about being a judge at the convention is that everybody on the panel judging with you they've all got knowledge and experience you don't have they all see something in an image that you don't and you learn from each other and you get enthused again coming out of that place thinking you know you, you want to get stuck in again you know yeah the frustrating thing for me was the convention was three weeks ago i haven't got a wedding for four more weeks so i'm i'm look, i'm chomping at the bit <laughs> to get out and be creative and I, I'm, I'm not yet so uh yeah, yeah I've, got, I've got a pre-wedding shoot next week that's the first time i'll use my cameras in anger since december so i'm looking forward to getting out and doing something cool but yeah you, mm. you leave there totally inspired um mm. to, uh, to, to be better i think and that, that's it's, it's so worth going to mm. So uh, has that um, led you to think of any goals that you want for yourself for this year? Are there things that you want to achieve this year? Well, I'm entering competition this year. So um, I've not been allowed to enter the last few years because I've been one of the judges at the overall judging in December, but I'm, I'm on a rotation year this year, so I'm allowed to enter competition. And yeah. I said to Terry, who's head of judges, I, I want to try and achieve a gold award in, uh, uh, in portraiture. Mm -hmm. That's I want to try and do that because I've not I'm not that proficient in it. I, I'm okay, but I want my goal is to try and get well a, high, a, a highly commended or a gold in portraiture this year. That that's what I want to try and achieve. Mm. Yeah, I know. You know, it's a very business related goal for you as well, then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to mm. help push help push. You, know, you can market it a little bit, um, uh, and it's something. Yeah, I like to give myself little challenges. You know, I like mm. to. You know, I'm very competitive when it comes to anything. Really, I know it's, <laughs> it, basically, I only have one rule. It's not over till I win. Simple as that. It's uh, <laughs> no matter what, no matter what it is. Um, yeah. But no, I'm quite competitive, and I like to push myself. But then we have, you know, I, I compete not just in jiu-jitsu but in photography we have a, a wooden spoon award at convention every year oh yes um, <laughs> uh, so it's the lowest scoring print w w within a group of photographers yeah so you know obviously you know you want to you want to score well we don't try to win it but it just <laughs> it's just a little bit of fun to take away yeah all right i won it one year for 73 scoring print you know yes i've won awards all around the world but i'm still scoring 73s it's you know <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it's it, i think it's it, it's great having having goals like that and i think for 
I mean, I don't know about how, how you feel about having sort of different strands to your business and then may, maybe being at different levels, because that's sometimes something that for, when I've done different types of work, I've been conscious that I have a bias towards something that I enjoy more and I spend more time on, so I'm better at it. And uh, you kind of think, do I then keep offering the other one because it's not up to the same standard or, you know, focus your attention on bringing it to the same standard? I mean, you know, you're working on awards for your portraiture. Um, you can show you can win awards for that. I suppose you have people can then see it's on the same sort of standard or getting there as your weddings yeah I think so I think I mean, I'm always even at weddings I'm always working on the weakest aspect of what I do so mm-hmm. I've recently introduced off-camera flash uh, and I'm getting better at it because it's another level another string to the bow that if mm. the weather doesn't play ball it's not going oh my god what do I do it's like, okay we'll just shoot some flash work it's, we'll just do this or do that and it's it's you know it's always working on the weakest weakest part of my game. That's what keeps mm. me creative. Um, that's what keeps me motivated. That's what keeps me moving forwards. Um, and then before you know it, I'll get really good at flash. Then all of a sudden, something else that I've <coughs> taken my eye off the ball a little bit needs work. So I just shift the mindset. It's always mm. no mm-hmm. a rising tide raises all ships. I think that's what you that's what you have to put in your business and you know work on one thing and it will raise everything. What about fun things? Have you got some fun thing that you think I'd really like to have a go at that? Oh, what would I love to photograph? Um, you know what? I've always I've always said I would love to have a go at the Olympics. Mm. I would love to have a go at the Olympics. And I remember yeah. back when it was announced in 2000, and I think four or five, I was working for a pro lab at the time. And when it was announced that London was getting the Olympics in 2012, I thought, I'm going to photograph those Olympics. Um, and I didn't. And I, I mm. yeah, obviously weddings took over. But I've always said I'd love to have a go at the Olympics. I'd love to have a go at doing something like that where you're literally that you've got a billion people watching you and if you can get that one shot like that one of Usain Bolt when he won with his, with his laces untied you know, get that one image that you know it's going to go yeah. around the world and that's, yeah. that, that's, that's that's pretty cool I'd love to have a go at that yeah yeah well you, do you think you'll start pushing in that direction with your sports photography start chipping away at that goal or is that just a, a, a pie in the sky wish do you think well, if, if if I'd have got accredited in, in last month, then yeah, but that uh, they tightened up. So I'm hoping to get accredited um, for the London Open, which is mm-hmm. at the end of February, and yeah. then I can just again, it's just it's just doing more, shooting more, getting the portfolio together before you can start pushing it and approaching agencies. So it, it's mm. a, it's going to be a slow burn, but it's again something to help plug that winter gap for weddings. It, you know, yes, the winter weddings are lovely, but I went well, I'd, I'd go from. December the 16th to March the 5th without a wedding. So it's a long mm. time. It's a long time. And, you know, you've got to try and, you know, make hay whilst the sun shines. But with the weddings becoming a little bit harder to get hold of and the, and the winter gap becoming longer, you've got to try and find a way of supplementing the income. If sport is it and the portage is it, then I'll, I'll, I'll grab it at both hands and do it. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's great that you're setting a path to get there. I mean, because quite often people might think, oh, I'd love to photograph uh, a sports car or something like that. And it's like, okay, yeah. What are you doing to get there? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, it just would be nice to do it one day. Yeah. Well, guess what? Unless you're extremely lucky, it ain't going to happen. No. You know, you, you've got you something you'd like like to do, but just having it as a would like to do, it, it's just a wish. It's just something vague. You know, if you want to really give yourself a chance of getting there, and there's obviously no guarantees, but no. you 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 set those smaller goals. You set your path so that you can go down it. And you know, clearly for you, you you like to achieve things. Um, you you know as you say you're competitive so for you when you've got a goal there it, it's not just a wish that's something that I wouldn't be surprised to see happen in a few years time <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I got a no award for one of my images at sport in society last month so I've still got obviously got work to do but uh, <laughs> but no it's just, it's just yeah I mean if you want something go get it don't wait for your boat to come in swim out to the boat that's my advice don't rest mm. you go, if you want something do it just yeah. do it yeah so did, is that how it happened right back at the beginning uh, when you went into into weddings then? I mean, how how did that quickly did that passion develop and the opportunities? Is that something that unfolded very quickly for you or did you have to chase after what type of wedding you really wanted to do for a few years before you got there? Yeah, pretty much that. I mean, the qualification route, I knew the end game was a fellowship in weddings. That was, that was the end game. Okay. Um, and then... Um, 
so you start shooting for it, and then all of a sudden people say there. And there are there 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 are two types of shot: you, sh- you shot for your client and you shot for awards. And then, but the qualification route, what that helped me do was was blur the line between both. And mm-hmm. then I'm just kind of shooting stuff that I, that I would put in for an award, and the client now likes. So it was it was a transition. Um, and that was, but yeah, it, I mean, I, I was second shooting for somebody for a couple of years, and then I was getting booked out more than they were, and it mm. was like, oh, maybe, I, maybe I can do this. And then after two years of working here, I set up the edge, and the rest is history. Yeah, excellent. So yeah, I said right at the beginning, the edge for photography.co.uk is Scott's um, website. Please do go and have a look on there. Um, there's a small sample of his work. I mean, he's got a huge body of work behind him. Um, weddings and his portraits that he's now doing as well. Um, check out Scott's work on social media. And as you can hear, he's quite an interesting, nice guy as well. You'll find him at the uh, convention uh, with the societies and um, highly in demand. Uh, so we're very grateful to Scott for coming on the podcast today and uh, sharing a bit with us. It's been great for me to finally have a chance to sit down and talk with you because conventions are kind of everybody's milling around and you hardly have that yeah. much time with each individual. So uh, I've really enjoyed being able to catch up with you, Scott, and thanks very much for coming on. No, it's a pleasure, mate. I'm going to be up at uh, TPS, the photography show, in March doing some talks up there, yeah. uh, working for Fujifilm, and I'm on one of the stages up there doing some talks on, on photography. And then in June, I'm one of the speakers at Click Live. So uh, if you, you know, want to come and see me and you know, put my money where my mouth is and see how I shoot and what I get, what I get, then uh, come and see me at Click Live. We're doing some live um, uh, workshops there with models all around. this a beautiful venue in, in the middle of England. So uh, yeah, come and see us up there. That sounds like a great opportunity. Thank you very much, Scott, and thank you all for listening. This is the Focus Professional Podcast. Yeah.